0: That's chumbacasino.com.
3: No purchase necessary.
1: BGW. Void. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Beautiful. And we have a special guest, as always, for Know Your Enemy. This man is a uh, former defensive tackle for the Jacksonville Jaguars and Houston Texans. Uh, he now works for uh, Sports Talk 610 um, in Houston. Mr. Seth Payne. Seth, how are you doing tonight?
2: I'm, I'm good as I can be uh, watching the Texans struggle through their first two games. I'm probably not as good as you guys are right now, uh, but uh, but I'm happy to be here.
1: Yeah, like right off the top, uh, you guys must have pissed someone off at the schedule makers, getting the, the Chiefs, the Ravens, and the Steelers, are arguably the top three teams in the AFC. Is, is there any talk about that right now in uh, the, the Houston sports world, that uh, people are upset that the, the schedule is as hard as it is right off the top?
2: I don't think so. I think because there's, uh, there's enough consternation over Bill O'Brien's offseason moves, starting with the trade of DeAndre Hopkins and everything else that came after, that I, I don't want to say people are saying, well, that's what you get. But I think that <laughs> people are more angry at Bill O'Brien right this moment that, look, you traded away DeAndre Hopkins. You, you're you giving David Johnson $12 million guaranteed. You traded for Brandon Cooks. You paid too much money to Randall Cobb. All those types of moves presumably were done to put you in the same category as teams like the Chiefs and teams like the Ravens. And I I don't think anybody expected them to be as good as those teams yet, but I think they were hoping that they might compete. And they just – they haven't competed yet. I mean, it hasn't – they've hung in there in the first half, but the first drive of the third quarter has been miserable for the defense both of these last games. And then the offense just hasn't had the time really to make comebacks and they haven't showed much of a push to even uh, to, that they'd even actually know what they were doing if they did have the time.
1: Now, through those first two games, of course, uh, starting Owen2 not not probably the best start obviously. Um, say they do fall this weekend. Is is there already going to be that chatter of uh, people calling for Bill O'Brien's head, or what's? Oh a, yeah.
2: A... <laughs> oh no, that's that talk has begun already. I think uh, in it, it was primed. The pump was primed for that, just because O'Brien's been here for this is a seventh season, and and I don't know if people even realize that, or I, there's no reason they consciously think about it outside the city of Houston, but it's been seven years of hey. You're pretty good. You're doing all right. You know the AFC South is weak from yeah. It's it's gotten stronger, but it's still not the same as trying to win the AFC North, of course, or AFC. uh, Well, let's see, AFC, yeah, AFC North. Um, but it in the playoffs or versus the good teams continually they get embarrassed, you know, and then the fans feel embarrassed and you don't feel like you're taking a step forward. It feels like a Marvin Lewis type situation. And when he traded away Deandre Hopkins, you know, no matter which way it gets justified or what stories get pushed out there that Deandre wanted more money um, or that Deandre didn't practice enough, the, at the end of the day, they were a better team with DeAndre Hopkins. He's just, he made Deshaun Watson a better quarterback. He's just such a, how about on any given blitz or whenever Deshaun got into trouble, his outlet was also his primary receiver because DeAndre was always open. Even when he's not open, he's still open. So there'll be an adjustment period and and people are just not giving O'Brien the benefit of the doubt.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I think we saw, I think we've seen DeAndre Hopkins value even with him going to Arizona and how Kyler Murray, looks different. Kyler Murray is just like way more confident. It's always such a big deal when the quarterback has that guy that they can just be like, well, you know, with all else fails, just throw it over there and they'll make it happen.
2: Yeah. And you know, so far it's been two games. Uh and the San Francisco game, San Francisco's playing a lot of cover four, which worked out really well in favor of DeAndre Hopkins. Um they were able to throw a lot of outbreaking routes to him versus coverages that were almost... I I was actually kind of surprised that San Francisco didn't have a better plan for DeAndre. But at the end of the game, what did we see we saw of that game versus San Francisco? DeAndre Hopkins was wide open. And then there was another play last week where DeAndre Hopkins was wide open. And we... We have not seen DeAndre Hopkins wide open in a Bill O'Brien offense in a long time. It's been increasingly, Bill, he gets a lot of press coverage because he gets safety help over the top of him. Um, Teams just devote all their resources to slowing down DeAndre Hopkins. And so far, it's two games into it. Kingsbury's done a better job of getting DeAndre Hopkins wide open.
1: I was uh, looking at some of the next-gen stats on that uh, Houston Texans offensive line, and uh, what I came up, what I came across actually is that they uh, were giving up uh, the highest percentage of uh, pressure rate throughout the entire NFL. The Steelers' defense sends more blitzes than any other team by like by a wide, vast margin, and their blitz rate typically gets home uh, in that same chart, uh, the tops of the league. Yeah, uh, Deshaun Watson's going to be running for his life a little bit, it seems, in this one. Uh,
2: how how are the Texans going to have to? Uh, keep him upright? It's a, it's a it's an excellent question. <laughs> I wish I had a really good answer for you. Uh, and we talked about, you know, we were talking about the Steelers a lot last week, just when we were getting ready for the Ravens, because you look at the pass rush stats from last year and both those teams, you know, the Ravens would lead in either hurries or hits where the Steelers were leading in sacks. Uh, you know, they both blitz a lot. The Steelers yeah. blitz more than the Ravens. And this will be the frustrating thing. And, I, and I'll tell you, This is what you might want to look for in the game. You're going to see instances where the Texans' offensive line will pick up a blitz properly and then for no good reason at all just, like, shoot themselves in the foot and somebody will come off of a block or ignore a – oh, my gosh, the zone blitzes. The zone zone blitzes – let's see, we've seen a center get beat by – a linebacker who was faking dropping into coverage, and then so the center left, and uh, and the linebacker just just came. Uh, Larry Tunsil, the left tackle, at one point, uh, he just followed a defensive end down into the opposite a gap and allowed the looping blitzer to to come around and get a sack or pressure on Deshaun. They've they've made some really boneheaded mistakes that we thought they'd ironed out. By the end of last season. And you know the danger in the NFL of thinking, oh, okay, well, hey, they got better last year, so they'll just keep getting better this year. That's what happened with the offensive line. Because they have Laramie Tunsell at left tackle. You traded two first round picks for him. They've got a second rounder at left guard. They've got a first rounder at right tackle. Um, they've got a second rounder who just got paid last year, Nick Martin at center. They've spent a lot of resources on the offensive line. And right now, it looks like they're back to square one of the beginning of 2019 and it's that's been probably the most frustrating thing and, it, and it's very very frustrating against a team like the steelers i don't i know i wish i could come on here and talk a lot of smack to you guys about how no the steelers aren't that good or tj watts overrated his brothers went, ah the steelers are really really good on defense right now and the texans offensive line has been struggling it, it could be it could be something like Three years ago when the Jaguars had 10 sacks versus the Texans on opening day, that Jaguars team I don't think was as good at rushing the passer as this Steelers team is. Um, But that's that's how bad the Texans' offensive line looks right now.
3: Yeah, you were saying they're having trouble with – they're having trouble with blitzes. That's uh, that's not a good sign.
2: Well, no, and it's, and it's not even blitzes. Sometimes it's just games, just simple TE stunts or ET stunts. You know, TE is where the tackle goes. I know you guys know this, but for your listeners, uh, where the tackle goes first, the end loops around Um, simple things like that, where it's just a four man rush. I, I, for the life of me, I can't figure out what's going on with the Texans offensive line, but they'll screw that up in such a bad way. Like, that is, it feels like a Christmas present to the defensive lineman. Usually, games when you're running a game as a defensive lineman, you're you're thinking, all right, it might work if I catch these guys off balance or something. Maybe something, you know, if the quarterback flushes, it's an easier way to 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 maybe on the contain rush get the quarterback down. But you you don't always expect them versus good offensive lines or competent offensive lines to come clean that much. They come clean with regularity versus the Texans. And look. You guys have – you were just loaded with savvy guys along the defensive front. Um, you know, and not just good players, but savvy players, like guys yeah. that know how to influence offensive linemen. So I think, I think TJ and Bud Dupree and Stefan and Hayward and all those guys are probably – they're probably having a good time game planning for just, like, what trickery they're going to unfurl on the Texans this week. Oh, yeah.
1: Now you mentioned TJ's name there. Of course, this is kind of the the Watt Bowl, I guess. The first time they've probably been on the field since they were little kids all together. I'm a little surprised this isn't a prime time game. It's kind of one of those storylines. I you know the NFL eats up, but what, what are you kind of looking for in this uh, in the the three brothers playing against one another?
2: You know, T, uh JJ's a lot older than the younger two brothers than uh, Derek and TJ. So this will be the first time they've ever been on the field together in a football game. And, uh, one of our local newscasts interviewed his, uh, their parents this weekend. And, you know, uh, their mom, I don't know if you guys have seen, uh, TJ and Derek's mom much, but she's pretty funny. She's really charming. And, uh, she was, she was talking about maybe sneaking in wearing a security coat or something like that. I I probably like as a parent, I think I'd probably prefer not to be there for for this. Um, but JJ, JJ obviously is four or five years older than those two. I think they have a really healthy sibling rivalry. And J.J. is we've seen we've seen J.J. really grow and mature from when he was a rookie and he was all about social media, you know. And and I know it wore down people outside of Houston a lot because he was just all about living that life. Um, And I think over the last few years, since he's become the veteran guy on that defense, he's really turned into a genuine leader. Um, he really cares a lot about the younger guys and it's been cool to just watch him take an interest in Derek and TJ and, and blow them up and talk about TJ as the defensive player of the year and, and have a friendly rivalry there. Um, but JJ, JJ's probably looking as athletic and as um, I guess physically he's felter than he's been in the last few years because this is the first real off season where I think he was completely healthy and he kind of re-engineered his body, and he tried to figure out, okay, why am I getting injured so much? He's missed he's missed huge time in three out of the last four seasons, and he just wants to be healthy this year. I think he looks faster off the uh, at the snap. I think he looks more agile than he has in the last few years, and he's producing really well. He had two sacks last week. He's got a ton of quarterback hits. I think, let's see, in terms of quarterback hits, I think, I think JJ or pressures. I think JJ is still down like around 25th after two games. Or oh, oh yeah, and then I see the Steelers have three guys that are in the top six for quarterback pressures, at least on PFF stats. So that's not bad.
3: Hmm. How how big is how big do you think facing his brothers is going to be to JJ Watt? Do you think that's something that's going to get him motivated? Or are we going to see JJ Watt try to single handedly like beat his brothers in this game?
2: I don't. I've been thinking about that, and I'm trying to figure it out because you know, like in any in any group of brothers and siblings, whenever there's sibling rivalry, it, you, there's always one that takes it a little bit more seriously, you know. And and I'm thinking about like my own family, and I don't know if you guys have older brothers, but but my older brother is uh he's a bastard, and uh, like I feel like I feel like my brother would always want to take care of me, but also it, they always want to maintain that alpha position. So I think maybe JJ, even though he probably would never admit it. JJ might have the most, uh, he might feel like he has the most to prove in this.
1: Uh, earlier, you talked obviously of DeAndre Hopkins, a big trade. David Johnson's coming back from the other side. I, I really liked uh, what we kind of saw to him that first half against the Chiefs. Um, I, I, haven't, uh, I haven't really specifically watched him a whole lot after that, but what does he kind of mean in this team? And is he kind of returning that uh, 2017, 2016 form?
2: He, he's shown flashes of it. In the first game versus the Chiefs, you know, when I watched the game at first live, my first thought was, all right, the Chiefs are the Chiefs are trying to take away the deep ball, and they're not playing a whole lot of eight in the box. And I, and I think maybe some of those big runs, at the time, I thought maybe they were not gifts, but they were easier to come by. And he actually ran into, he had some nice runs into eight-man boxes when I went back and watched it the second time. Um, and I think in that first game versus the chiefs, he showed that certain pop and explosiveness and that ability to break tackles that you saw in 2016 last week versus the Ravens was, was a bit tougher. Um, and I think a lot of it was as much on the offensive line as it was on David Johnson, that Ravens front is just very, very solid versus the run. And they did a good job. Um, they did a good job, really mucking it up for him. So he's somewhere. I so far, I would say he's better than he's been the last couple of years. I think he's got a chip on his shoulder, and and that's something that going back to when he was getting recruited out of high school and Iowa didn't recruit him, you know, in his own state, it put a chip on his shoulder. And then he had a great college career. And then he went to Arizona and he had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And then he has that great 2016 season. And I think he might be one of those guys that's kind of motivated by that and. And you guys know it, that that trade for DeAndre Hopkins, uh, the people weren't just upset that they traded away DeAndre Hopkins. They were upset that they traded DeAndre Hopkins and got back a running back who's got $12 million guaranteed and hasn't hasn't looked like he's deserved it. So we'll see. Um, I'd say he's one and one so far. He had a really good performance in week one, kind of disappointing last week.
3: I think Steeler fans remember him most for the uh, Arizona game last year where he uh... – Caught a touchdown over Terrell Edmonds. Oh yeah, um, they got that. Most most fans uh, have their still have their hackles up for uh, Terrell Edmonds because of that one. But he, yeah. he has actually done well against the Steelers and uh, Duke Johnson, his backup, is a very similar player who also had has been a very reliable player when he faces uh, the Steelers. And this season, uh, Melvin Gordon had a touchdown. Saquon Barkley had a big play out of the backfield. Um, do, do you think? that the offensive like, game plan where they have they've kind of gotten both running backs, they, both, all their running backs are receivers. Uh, has that really shown that it's working out for Houston? Do you think that's developed or is that still growing?
2: I think it's it's going to be a work in progress. You know, they traded for Duke Johnson last year, and we never saw him really used as a receiver as much as we'd like. They really do want to do more of that um, and especially I think to take some of the heat off Deshaun to, and part of it's on Deshaun too you know sometimes Deshaun is so greedy in a good way for downfield action you know because he throws a beautiful deep ball he's got a lot of speed out there um, and he wants to push the ball downfield sometimes he stays on his reads too long um, or he's still trying to, to make a big play when he needs to check down so the check downs are one part of it and then I think in the in the in swing uh, the screen game The short passing game to running backs and tight ends, he's made progress there. You know, he used to just he used to hold on to the ball all the time. Now he's got more judgment about when to hold on to the ball, when to go to the easy short route. um, And he's getting rid of it on rhythm more quickly. So I think you're going to see a lot of that in the first game when Duke Johnson was healthy. We saw several snaps of both Duke and David Johnson in the backfield. So that's something you want to watch for. Um, and they ran some they ran some interesting stuff out of that. They're going to try to use deception with that and try to get as much speed on the field as possible.
1: Um, we got a super chat here from one of our fans. Wes Hickok puts $5 in the tip jar and asks Seth, how do you see the Houston secondary matching up against our wide receivers?
2: I would say what – mostly the new defense coordinator anthony weaver has been trying to do so far is limit the big plays and and this might be the first time i've ever covered a team or been on a team where they're almost saying hey we're a bend but don't break defense and everybody's cool with it because the defensive backs the cornerbacks are just like a revolving door of uncertainty and I think Anthony's been doing a really good job of playing more zone this year. He's trying not to expose those guys too much in in too many man-to-man uh, situations. Bradley Roby's the guy that will probably get uh, a big chunk of time on Juju Smith-Schuster. He's the guy that's best in man coverage for them. But they've been alternately banged up or just kind of victimized at times by some of the guys that that are just frankly. Either young or you know Vernon Hargraves is out there. He was a disappointment in Tampa, but he's he's a former first rounder. Gary and Conley, former first rounder, they traded for last year. He's on the injured reserve and is hopefully going to be on that short term in, uh, injured reserve they have this year. But it's going to be it's going to be a whole lot of zone and a whole lot of just trying not trying to limit Juju Smith Schuster um, or the uh, oh the new kid I'm blanking on his name there that uh, Chase Claypool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so nothing in a lot of mixed coverages. Now, the, the thing that the Texans defense has not done well so far um, is turn the ball over, create turnovers. So I'm watching, you know, I'm watching Roethlisberger these first couple games and you see the big time throws, but you also see some of the rustiness showing through in the potential interceptions, uh, the, the, the risky balls that he threw last week. With the Texans playing more zone this year than they have in the past, I, th- I know they'd like to be more opportunistic. They'd like to break on some of those balls. I think that's really the Texans' only chance of winning this game this week is if the Steelers mess up the turnovers. You know, if, if Ben throws a couple of errant balls um, or if they cough it up, then then the Texans might have a shot.
1: Yeah, and that, uh, that is definitely one of those things that I think we worry about on a weekly basis uh, with that gunslinger back there. Yeah. Yeah, but um, one of the questions that we kind of ask uh, everyone that comes on is if you could pluck one player off the Steelers roster that fits best with your own team, and we we typically get the same answer so far. Um, I'm <laughs> curious who who you take uh, on the Texans.
2: Okay, so are you getting a lot of T.J. Watts? Yes, we are. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay, so I won't do that. That's too easy. Plus, we're all you know, like, frankly. I don't look Bill O'Brien. I know it's an easy joke. Like, hey, O'Brien's gonna trade JJ Watt for a seventh rounder and a bag of chips or something. This week, I look, I know the Steelers are as loaded as anybody else in the league on defensive line. Because I I forgot to mention Alu Alu earlier, there's no reason for them to trade for JJ Watt but there's a there's a small part of me that's terrified that, that Bill O'Brien's going to trade JJ Watt to the Steelers and that this will be like the best audition ever for JJ Watt. Um so I won't I won't say TJ. I do I love that um I love that defensive line. But let me go. I would say I don't want to say Juju Smith-Schuster. Um just because Will Fuller and this is something you guys want to watch for too. Will Fuller has been really, really good, but he's been really, really injury prone. And last week was really curious. He didn't get any targets in the game and he was never listed on the injury report. They never said anything about it, but they were massaging his hamstring the whole time. So, um, I, and I, it was strange because there were a couple times in the game, even where Fuller was wide open and Deshaun didn't even look look his way. And, you know, that's his favorite guy right there. So, um, I don't know if Will Fuller is going to be a hundred percent for this game, just because whenever he has these hamstring issues, they tend to linger and, and I wouldn't be surprised if he goes out. So I would, I would love to have Juju Smith Schuster opposite of Brandon cooks. Um, and I just like, I like Juju Smith Schuster's attitude. I like the way he's handled everything, especially with all the, with all the drama with Antonio Brown. And, um, unless there was something I missed was, did Juju not handle that at all? Well, were there local stories?
3: Oh no, he did. He did great. Yeah, he was always. He always kept everything positive. We've covered the wide receivers, the running backs, the offensive line, the the defense. Um, one thing I noticed watching the game against the Ravens is uh, your tight end. Yeah, I just forgot his name because I'm terrible with names.
2: Akins. Akins. Yeah,
3: Aikens, yep. they like moving him around. He stay. He doesn't tend to. I, I looked at his receiving stats. So I thought, oh, I bet he's out in the slot a lot. But they keep him in tight. They move him around. They do a lot of motion with him. And uh, that is something the Steelers are having trouble dealing with: is when teams have receiving running backs and good receiving tight ends, we can't we can't deal with both of them. Someone's going to be open. Uh, tell us about Aikens.
2: Aikens is a nice story. Um, he's a kid that's he's very athletic. I think he's gotten better every year he's been here, and he's improving on his blocking. He's still not there yet. I mean, but that's like the modern NFL how many good blocking tight ends are there. I think he needs to, he's getting to the point where he's competent enough, but yeah, they'll, they'll use him with a lot of backfield motion. Um, they have a nice little RPO package that you want to watch out for where he'll come across the formation. And sometimes it's because he's kicking out the defensive end or outside linebacker on a run play. Um, other times he's just going out, uh, and, and being part of a boot package with Deshaun Watson. And that's one way that, O'Brien and Tim Kelly, the offensive coordinator, are, I think trying to get Deshaun on the move without risking too much injury is by enhancing the boot package, getting him out of the pocket, um, throwing this RPO to Jeremy Aikens and then Darren Fells, the other tight end, will be one level further. And they've had some success with that. Um, and they just have to keep adding wrinkles to it. They'll, they'll run a version of it for a week or two and then throw out a different wrinkle. Um, they'll, they've done some throwbacks. At times, some bootleg throwbacks to Jeremy Akins or Jordan Akins, so he's definitely a guy you want to watch out for. And I would also say, I think likewise, the Texans' inside linebackers have not been good in coverage at all. So tight ends, running backs, um, it's a it's an opportunity area for the for the Steelers. Uh, Zach Cunningham just got paid. He's very very fast. Comes up and makes some great plays in the run, but he's still playing like a young guy in pass coverage.
1: Now, Jeffrey, as you were saying, uh, we, we've talked about basically every offensive player, except for uh, the one important one here, uh, Deshaun Watson. The roster around him, of course, um, like you have the quarterbacks in the NFL, the young guys, the Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jacksons. Deshaun Watson, I, I think his name is really right up there with those guys. The roster around him, though, do, do you think it, the, the talent around him is good enough for Deshaun Watson to elevate his game and bring home an NFL MVP like his uh, peers right now?
2: I think that if the offensive line gets their act together, it could be. Um, and I also think that it depends on just what Bill O'Brien and Tim Kelly do with the play calling. Um, I think there's a perception around the league that they haven't gotten the most out of Deshaun Watson. And I think that's fair. And I think it's, sometimes it's it's Deshaun Watson himself because he's still a young quarterback. And I, I kind of look at the timeline of Russell Wilson and try to I try to check... Deshaun Watson against Russell Wilson. Because Russell Wilson, it took him a few years to really make that transition into being a genuine professional NFL quarterback um, that would do all the stuff pre-snap that would make all the adjustments um, that that would read coverages as well as he does now. And I think Deshaun is getting there. Uh, I think that he really understands the concepts. He understands what defenses are trying to do to him. He's had some really bad games. I think the The biggest difference between him last year and a few of the other top quarterbacks was Deshaun's bad games were really bad. Um, And when teams like the Panthers showed stuff and and kind of muddied the picture for him, he didn't respond well to it. He rebounded from each of those games really well. And I think he learned lessons. So I think this is a pivotal year for him. He's just, he's got to get some protection. You know, he used to be responsible for a lot of his uh, sacks and a lot of his hits it's not the case as much anymore. There's just quick pressure in the backfield. And what I really worry about is there's starting to be those moments where, man, did he have to pull the ball down that early? You know, okay, the, yeah, that that guy, that defensive end was coming free, but it, it, he, he could have stuck in there a little bit longer. So I worry that he might be getting skittish. Um, but he's still capable of doing all those incredible things. It really is a matter of just the offensive line getting right and then The receivers, all these new pieces that they brought in, there have been too many instances of David Johnson or various receivers running the wrong routes, not being there as the outlet. They got to get that hemmed up real quickly. And then I think it could be a really good year for Deshaun um, because he's got a lot of speed out there. I mean, there's a Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks started to show up last week and he averaged 19 yards per reception. If they can just hold the line a little bit longer and allow Brandon cooks to get free. Then they could start putting up some crooked numbers.
1: Awesome. Uh, I have uh, two more questions before uh, we'll let you get out of here. I'm sure Jeffrey probably has another as well. Um, If I could steal the first one here. um,
2: how, How are the Texans winning this game? Okay. Um, it would be with a lot of turnovers, like we said, Uh, and not it doesn't have to be ridiculous. But uh, I I think that the Steelers, I can see, you know, even in just especially the first half of last week's game, you can see where Ben isn't quite there yet. I mean, I like he can make the throws, but he's not doing it consistently. Um, You see some of the miscommunications to where. They're just, they look like a team that's still working their quarterback into the flow of things. Where the last two teams the Texans faced were just, they picked right up where they left off last year. Um, So there's that. The other side is offensively, I think that they're going to have to hit some shot plays. And there are some instances in the Ravens game last week where they used max protection. The Texans used max protection and they picked up a blitz and one guy got beaten pass protection. Brandon Cooks would have been wide open downfield for an easy touchdown, but just a guy got physically blitzed, uh, physically dominated on a blitz. If they can reverse that and just have one guy not get beat on some of these shot plays, I think they'd have an app- opportunity there. So I'd say they got to be plus two in the turnover margin, and if Deshaun Watson hits two shot plays, then they got a shot at winning this game. It's, it's going to take some big games or big plays. Jeffrey, do you got anything else?
3: No, I'll defer to you. I know he's a, he, we're we're short on time here. I got, right. I got
2: I got a couple more minutes, but uh yeah. Go, go for it.
1: Well, but before we get out of here, um I would love to know your uh, your game prediction,
2: your final score prediction on this one. Okay. This will be the first one, as I was thinking I was thinking through this earlier. I'm gonna say that the Texans defense, um Despite the points allowed, they've actually done a better job than it might look on the box score, uh, given the tools they have to work with. So I don't think it's going to be as high-scoring a game as all Texans fans fear that it will be. Uh, But I don't think the offense is going to be able to get much moving against against the Steelers. If the Texans win this game, it might end up being the variety of the 2002 Texans victory, where the Texans had... I think it was, was it 47 yards of offense and the Texans won the game? Yeah, we had a bunch of turnovers. Um, Were you on that team? I was on that team. That was one of the weirdest games I've ever played in. Shout out to the two kids in the visitors' warm-up end zone who were some of the best hecklers that I've ever heard. They they spent like ten minutes just dogging me and like a few other guys on the defensive line, and it was like it was good quality stuff. It was like really hard not to just bust out laughing. So if the if they happen to be listening today, they're probably like forty five years old with kids and everything. Um, I, it's going to be that kind of game where it's a it's it's a, a whole bunch of turnovers for points potentially. So I will say that's if they're going to compete i'll say uh steelers 27 texans 21
1: not too shabby uh i think jeffrey and i will get our uh points predictions in the second half seth thank you so much for your time uh we really appreciate it uh and uh again just thank you uh this was oh yeah
2: hey my pleasure man I'll, i'll tell you honestly um now, see, I'll kiss up at the end instead of at the beginning. The I, I played for the Jaguars, you know, back in the old AFC Central, so we played the, the Steelers twice a year. And that was always my favorite place to play. It's just, like, you go into Heinz Field, and the coolest thing about it is that it's just – it's all football. You know, like, it just – it feels like you're playing – and it feels like you're playing in a cold northeastern city, like where the people know their sports and it's intense environment. Um, and it's just really, yeah, I grew up in Rochester, New York. Um, so I was, you know, and relatively in the area and just uh, really respect, respect the fan base and uh, just have a great time of it on Sunday, guys. That's awesome. Right. Thank you so much again. My pleasure.
3: Thank you.
1: That is Seth Payne, uh, ladies and gentlemen, 10-year NFL veteran. Uh, Not really every day that you get to talk to a guy that's uh, been in the league for 10 years. Um, That being said, we are going to flip over to the second part of this conversation. So if you're listening on the podcast platform, make sure to flip over for more content on Know Your Enemy.